We are going to read from the scripture, uh, Matthew, if you would stand with us. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that son that was given for us. We celebrate, God, the birth of, of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be with us today, Lord God, and throughout this month as we rejoice in Emmanuel, God, with us. We pray your blessings on our church, on the families in our church, Lord God, that we would be your light every place that we, that we go. Let Jesus be alive in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. singing, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And as we, as we look at this song, this song was written around uh, 1739. So it's about 300 years old, almost, and we're still singing that song uh, today. One of the reasons we continue to sing that song is it is just full of, uh, of doctrinal truth. And it tells us so many things about the greatness of God and God's plan in our life. In the first stanza, we see that Wesley alludes to Luke chapter 2, the passage that tells the story of angels appearing to shepherds out in the fields, telling them that the Messiah 
has been born in Bethlehem. He writes about the virgin birth and, and him being the everlasting Lord. He speaks to, of eternal life and he speaks of judgment. And he talks about Jesus making the restoration of man and of nature possible. We could justly study the doctrine of this song for the next month and really get a lot of great things out of it uh, as we would look at it. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. In your prayer time this week, uh, go online, download, you know, make a copy of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And this week, every time you go into your prayer time, take a moment and uh, read through it. Just let the various parts of this song begin to speak to your life. And as you pray through, as you pray, pray a little bit through this and thank God for the great gifts that he is and he has given us. I'm going to tell you, it's going to put you in the Christmas spirit. You're going to rejoice as you look at the great promises and the great fulfillment of promises that we see in this book. Now, here's what we're going to do over the next month. We're going to we're going to take a look at about four different Christmas songs that you know really well. And we're going to talk about, we're going to really talk about one line out of each of them. Uh, but you can take the time to look at the whole of the song uh, every week and kind of let the wholeness of that song really begin to seep into your heart. Today we want to look at one key line that comes out of this, this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, where, where, where Charles Wesley writes, pleased as man with men to dwell. This alludes to John chapter 1, where it says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of only the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Wesley also writes of Christ's work to reinstate us into God's love, again speaking of his work to rec uh, of reconciliation. Now, we've, we've talked about this many times, and, and we've especially uh, talked about it at the Christmas season, but I, I don't know that any of us, myself included, understand fully how difficult of a process this was for us. You know, it's kind of like we, we, we get used to things and we have them, and we don't know what life would be like if we didn't have them because we've had them for so long or we've never known life without them. This is one of those things where the greatness and the presence of God is made available to us and we can now walk with him when there was a time when we couldn't and there was a time when all that, we, all that could justly be ours is separation from God. See, when we think about the greatness of what this means and the fullness of what it means, God's role in our life from the very beginning from the very beginning of creation, God's role in our life was to be a presence in us. God's role in our life was to feed 
our spirit and to sustain our soul in his presence. What this would do to us, what this would bring into our life is a balance into our life that would give us emotional and emotional health and give us values. God's role was to be an eternal source of health to our emotion and our values. It was from this presence of God in us, this reality of God living in us, that our sense of right and wrong was supposed to be established. We were going to get a sense of yes and no. Our convictions were going to be filled and led by the power of God's Spirit being in us, which would enable us to make right decisions. It was his presence, a sense of his presence in us that was going to give us a sense of wholeness and purpose. Our sense of wholeness and purpose was not going to simply come from other people where other people really can't even do that for us. Our sense of wholeness and purpose wasn't going to come from some accomplishment that we did, which is where we're kind of stuck at right now. But our sense of wholeness, our sense of purpose, our sense of right and wrong was going to be alive in us because the presence of God was alive in us. He was, this holy one, this pure one, was going to be alive inside of us. So we, we need to understand, kind of capture this, that not only did the flesh come under the curse that would lead to us growing old and our time on this earth coming to an end. But our soul was cut off. Our spirit was cut off from the sustaining power of God. It was there, but the sustaining power of God that was supposed to be in us to give us this sense of right and wrong and this sense of wholeness in life was cut off from us, and our spirit immediately began to search for other places for those to be fulfilled, for us to find a sense of right and wrong. Everything in us and what we see in the world became corrupt right here at this moment. There was no life-sustaining, purpose-sustaining, value-sustaining source in us that was pure and holy and consistent and wiser and smarter than us that was now available to us. Without God, we were on our own. We were on our own. And we've lived that way as a people ever since. Have you ever had a fear, a worry, a desire? Maybe a lust or a wound from somebody else's action. An addiction that grabbed a hold of your life that controls you or controlled you. That you wish you could cut out of your life. That you recognize that it was harming your life. You recognize that this desire was hurting you and hurting others. This addiction was hurting you and hurting others. This attitude, this life thing was hurting you and hurting others. And you wish you could be done with it. You wish you could some, so some way it could be taken out of your life. 
That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. That's what God's presence was supposed to be inside of our lives. He was supposed to be, we were supposed to be so connected with him that the attitudes and desires of our life would be from him who is pure and holy, that our attitudes would be like, have you ever been around somebody whose attitude was so bad you wish, I wish they'd just straighten up? Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, my attitude's so bad I wish I could just straighten up? This is what the Holy Spirit was supposed to bring in us. This is what God was supposed to do in us. And this is why today when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about these great attributes that grow in us because we allow the Spirit of God to grow. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness that come to new measure in our life and new life and new understanding in our, in our life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now that was lost at the fall of man. But the good news is, is that Jesus came into that mess pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That's you and me. We are lost from God. We are separated from communion with him. We are separated with the work that he does in our life. When he gave his life for us and then by the power of God rose to life, he, Jesus, sent his spirit to reconnect with us. And because of this work, we use these words, you can be born again. Born again. What does that mean? That means that the spirit of man can now be... Re Remember we talked last week, death means separation. The spirit had been separated from God. Now the spirit, by the power of God and the work of Jesus on the cross, can be reborn, reconnected with the spirit of God. And the healing can begin to pour into our life in every area, not just in healings of the big things that we notice like a, like a bitterness or a wound, but healing in places of how we see others so that new kindness and new love and new joy begins to rule inside of our life. See, being born again is not a religious act. It's not something that happens to you because you join a church or because somebody says you know enough or you're confirmed. Being born again is a spiritual act that happens by the grace of God when we put our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now why is that so important? I'm going to give you two reasons why it's important today. One, it's, it's important for our our health here. We've just talked about it. It's important for us to commune with the Spirit of God, to be open with the Spirit of God, and to daily let that Spirit, His Spirit, begin to move inside of our lives. Because it's there where our inner man begins to, begins to produce the fruit of the Spirit, 
where the old man begins to fall off of us, where old desires begin to get let loose. See, you don't get free from old desires just by reading about them in the Bible. So you read in the Bible, uh, thou shalt not lie. You don't get free and you'll get convicted by, you don't get changed in your daily actions just because you know that. You get changed from your, your daily actions because the Spirit of God moves in your life and you become convinced and convicted that the right thing is what the Spirit of God tells us to do. The law just shows us how far short we are. It's the Spirit of God that brings us out of that shortfall back into the fullness of God. We need, you need, I need, we need the presence of God in our life every day. We need to be in this process, as Paul would write to us, about being filled with the Spirit, an ongoing process of the Spirit moving in our life. Now, that's for our life here. But this is also important for eternal life in God. Think about heaven for a minute. We talked about heaven last week. If you missed it, you can go online and, and, and listen a little bit more. But what do you think about when you think about heaven? You know, we get some of the standard things. We think about, you know, pearly gates or these, these streets of gold or you know, we think about God, maybe, maybe in our minds we've seen throne rooms on TV and we think about some magnificent throne and some concept of God being on that throne. And it's kind of beautiful and it's nice. But capture this with me a little bit today. The concept of God presented in the Bible is that if you were to see him today, you couldn't live another moment. That's the concept. The concept of, of God in the Bible is that when Moses is, is going to be in this place where God is going to pass by, God covers him so he can't see his fullness. Where Isaiah, when he gets a glimpse of God, immediately says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean, uh, of unclean lips, I'm, I live among an unclean people. He, he thought he was a goner. He thought he was a goner. Because the concept of, of who God is that he reveals to us is if we went before him in our present state, the way we are right now, we couldn't continue, we would be overwhelmed Unable to comprehend. Unable to take him in in any way. And because of our unrighteousness, we wouldn't continue to exist as we are today. Our, our flesh today, even now, remains somewhat veiled from him. Even though we can begin to experience his healing power in our life. In Revelation 21, verse 22... John's talking about, about heaven. And he says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, the Lamb, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. 
But its light will be, its light will, by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Listen, by its light will the nations walk. This is talking about after the millennial reign, and there's a new heavens and new earth. By its light, by the light and the presence of God, the nations are going to walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. John gives us this picture that in, in this new Jerusalem that we talked about last week, that there will be no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God gives us light. Now, we know that God's presence is with us here today. We know that God's presence is everywhere. He is bigger than the universe. But his manifest presence in that day will continually be around us. His manifest, his, a portion of his visible presence will be with us in heaven. That presence will give us light. No need for light fixtures there. No need to turn on the lights there. Because God's very presence no need for a moon, no need for sun. This passage talks about no need for lamps because of the manifest presence of God around us. We'll be in him, and his presence will be upon us. I want to tell you, that's better than what we can imagine, but it's also a major problem. The major problem is this. Nothing unclean or detestable can go there. We know that God is holy. That, that means he is of absolute moral perfection. There's no shadow of evil in him. There's no measure of inconsistency in him. He is consistent and he is pure and he's holy. But what about us? We are taught in the Old Testament that when the holy touches the unclean, it becomes unclean. The unclean cannot be with this holy creator, cannot be in his presence. So everything we read in Revelation, everything that is unclean, everything that has been tainted by a world that has been in rebellion, Every bit of it will be swept away, done away with, and there'll be a new heavens, a new earth that will be pure and holy where God's presence can dwell in manifest presence with man, with you and me. However, we become a bigger problem. We become a bigger problem because we have the breath of God in us. We are living, eternal beings that are corrupt. We are separated from God. 
we are corrupt by our rebellion, we can't simply be swept away because we have eternal life in us. So where do we go? This brings us to the second part of God's nature. We understand that he's holy. He's consistent. That's good for us. We want a a holy God because if we don't have a holy God, a consistent God, if he just acts out of out of of all the lust and all of the things that we have inside of us, all the impurity of our life, we're all in danger. But now we come to another part of God, a part that's not talked about a lot. It's a part part of the nature of God that we, we need to understand, and that is that God is just. He's a He's a holy God, And a part of his holiness is justness. So so get this. Every lie that we've ever told has to be answered for. Every act of rebellion we've ever had against those in authority over us, a mom or a dad or something, it's got to be answered for. Every lust of our flesh, every thing we've ever stolen, every person we've ever gossiped about or slandered, every selfish act we've ever committed, every prideful, arrogant action of our life, every act of sexual immorality, every, uh, every act of, of being a part of things we shouldn't be a part all of them must be answered for before this just God. He can't let any of them go. He can't surrender any of them. They all need their day in court. And they all need to be judged. And remember, when we think about that in our life and we realize that we are not holy, none of us are holy, We understand that we can't be before this eternal, great, holy God without bringing corruption into the very heavens and making the heavens like we've made this earth. And yet we can't simply be swept away because we are eternal. So get this, we can't go to heaven. We can't get there. There's no other way there. There's not many other ways there. There's no other way. There's no way for us to get there of our own works because fundamentally we, are all, we all have corruption in us. This is the bad news, friends. In this state, the wrath of God remains on us for our sin nature. This would lead us to hopelessness if it wasn't for the third part of God's nature that we need to understand. And the third part of God's nature and his character is this. God is love. He created us to love us and for us to honor him and respond to him. But we face this dilemma. Something cannot be part of your character if circumstances do away with it. So so just listen to me. You, you, You can say this if you want to. It's just not true. You can't say... Uh, I am an honest person. That's a part of my character. If when circumstances become uncomfortable, you lie. 
Now, you, you can go around telling them, don't call me a liar, but if you lie, guess what you are? If circumstances change and it becomes uncomfortable for you to tell the truth, it's going to hurt you if you tell the truth, and in the, or it's going to cost you money if you tell the truth, and you say, well, in this set of circumstances, I'm going to lie. Then, then you can walk around saying, I am a person of the truth. You know what you're doing? You're telling a lie. Because you lie when it's convenient for you. And then you tell everybody else you're a person of the truth because that's convenient for you and you want them to tell the truth. No, no, no. Our character isn't just proven by what we say. Our character is proven, our nature is proven by how we act when it's not comfortable for us to act that way, when it's not great for us to act that way. And so here we have this, this great dilemma. God cannot ignore who he is. It would make him less if he just simply suspended the rules. If he just simply said, uh, well, I'm a just God, but I'm going to let all this corruption go unchecked. I'm going to let all this corruption go and not make anybody, all the pain, all the hurt, all the suffering, I'm just going to let it go. Oh, and, and I'm a holy God, but I, I'm going to find a way just to make, let all of this corruption come and be a part of who I am. Be in me and be around me. I'm just going to let it go. That would change who God is. And I'm telling you, that wouldn't be good for any of us. We want a God who's holy, who's pure, who's righteous. We want a God who is just and does the right thing. That there's no smattering of evil in him. So here's God with this dilemma. He's, he loves us. He wants, this, he wants good for us. He wants to be in communion with us. But we've walked in rebellion, and his holiness separates us from him. And his justice keeps him from Ignoring who and what we are. So God had to answer his own character. He did that in, in, a, in a powerful way. He came as the son in the form of man to seek and save the lost. We learn in the Old Testament that it is the blood that can take the sacred object that has been unclean and can make it holy again. So Jesus comes, pleased as man, with men to dwell for a purpose. Jesus, the Holy One, comes to pay the price of justice. God's justness is answered in the loving, perfect sacrifice of the Son. God's holiness is protected by the perfect blood of the Son being on us. So strong and so pure is His blood 
that no imperfection can shine through it. When we, by faith, receive Christ in our life, the pureness of the blood of Christ shed, the eternal blood of Christ shed on the cross, covers us, and there is no leakage of the old man. We can now stand before God, not because we are pure, not because we are holy, not because we are righteous, but because the perfect blood of the Lamb covers us and cleanses us from all those things that made us unrighteous. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a clap offering for that. We can and we should celebrate for no curse holds us any longer. Heaven can be our destiny because God has made a way. We, and, and friend, get this, we don't have to wait for heaven for God can begin to do His healing work in us today. The Holy Spirit was sent to dwell with those who cry out in Jesus' name to, to call unto man to receive the work of Christ. And when we do that, the Holy Spirit begins to move in us to set us free even from the results of this fallen world. God begins His work in us if we walk in His Spirit. So here's my question to you today. When was the last time you invited the Spirit into your life? You know this. But when was the last time you got along to go, God in heaven? I just want to be your person. Let the fruit of your spirit grow in me. I'll sweep away the junk of this world. Lord, I'm like Isaiah, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among an unclean people. Sweep the results of this world away from my life. Purify, make my desires right. Make my life right. Help me to walk in you in this fallen world. Because see, friends, the power of the Holy Spirit's with us today. I want to invite you to stand with me today. We're going to take a minute. And we're going to sing a song. And I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want to give you that opportunity. Just lift your hands to the Lord and just invite His Spirit to invade your spirit. Are you ready to do that today? Are you grateful that you don't have to go stand before God on your own? You can go stand before God with the blood of Christ covering you. Hallelujah. That's something to rejoice in, isn't it? Oh, let's invite His presence into our life right now. Maybe you've never done this before, but I want to invite you. Just lift your hands to the Lord today, would you? And just invite Him into your, into your life. Invite His presence into your Lord, we just lift our hands to you today to surrender our lives to you, to invite your presence into our spirits. Lord, we put our faith in your Son to be our Savior. But Lord, we want to walk in the fullness of your Spirit. We know we're born again by your Spirit working in us. But Lord, we want to walk daily so that the fruit of your Spirit is growing. Father, heal people today of wounds that have happened by the sinful actions of others. Father, Sweep bitterness and insecurity out of our life and let us walk in the fullness of who you are. Father, whatever wound this world has put upon a person's mind and our thinking and how we see others, 
sweep that out of our life today and let us be a people who walk in the love of your spirit. However the enemy has wounded our emotions and where, Father, we're filled with fears and insecurities and hurts, let us be filled with your joy today. Let your joy be in us today. Let your peace be in us today. Instead of worry and doubt and fear, let peace be ours today, Lord. And Father, let, the, let faith be ours that we know your plan for our life is certain. That if we walk in obedience to you, we may not see the evidence of it right now, but we know the evidence of it by your Spirit in us. Be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Prayer teams, would you come down uh, to the front real quick? We're going to close this service in just a second. And I, I want to encourage you this week. I want to encourage you to read through Hark the Herald Angels Sing and to pray through it. And I want to encourage you to daily this week to take a few moments along with God and just invite His presence to do a work in you. Just say, God, show me where you want to change me. Purify my desires. Make my desires right. Make my spirit right. Make my joy right. And just invite him into your presence. Uh, a week ago, there was a, a lady at church. She's an older lady, over 90 years old. Throughout the week, she wasn't feeling really great. But she asked her family if uh, they would take her to the park. She wanted to go to the park. But it was too cold. They told her, you know, it's too cold. They thought maybe she'd forget about it. But she kept asking to go to the park. And finally one day she, she went to sleep, took a nap. And woke up and said, I, I, I went to the park today. And they said, what are you talking about? They said, oh, she said the park was beautiful. The park was beautiful. She said the grass was perfectly evenly cut. There were people dancing all around in the park. And she said, Jesus was in the park just a day or so after that she went home to be with the Lord listen God has a great place for us I talked to a, a friend of mine this week and I'd, I'd heard that his father-in-law passed away and he told me yes that he had and he said you know pastor he said the, the hardest thing about it is I don't know if his heart's right with God 70-some years old. He said, I talked to him. This is a pastor. He said, I, I talked to him many times about giving his life to Christ. And he always told me, I will just before I die. Now, see, that's, that's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of how great God is in your life in the first place. But he said, God's going to give me a chance just before I die. That man got up in the middle of the night one night and wasn't feeling well, went in the bathroom, came back out, laid back down, went to bed, and before he woke up the next morning, he was standing before God. Friend, we never know when our day and our moment's going to come. We need to be ready to stand before him. Today, in these next couple of minutes, we're going to open these altars. We're going to sing this song one more time. If you have something in your life you need victory over, you have an addiction you need victory over. You need healing in your life. You've got a character issue you need God to help you with. You need to have an attitude you need God to help you with. You have a decision you need to make. You need God's direction.
I want to invite you to come down and let one of these folks, one of these couples pray for you. We believe prayer changes things. But especially today. If the Lord would call for you to come stand before him this week. If you're not ready. Friend, don't wait another second. Don't gamble with your eternity. And don't miss the blessing that God has for you here. You can look at a friend around you and say, will you go down there with me? They'll be happy to come down there with you. But come down let somebody pray with you. Because we believe that when you call on his name, you'll be saved. So as we worship the Lord again, whatever your need may be, you come down let somebody pray with you. And as soon as we've done that a time or two, uh, Dan's going to bless you and let you be dismissed. And then go out and invite people to the Christmas program next week. God bless you. We love you.